Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Yes. Good morning and welcome. Welcome. It is and has been an exciting day this morning. If you do not know who I am, my name is Pastor Kelly Nelson. Alongside my husband, we are the current interim lead pastors here at My City Church. So, of course, we want to extend a warm welcome and appreciation for you being here this morning. And, of course, it is Mother's Day, if you didn't know. So we also want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. We love you. We honor you. And we also have a gift for you. So directly right after service, our team would love to place just a small token, a a flower in your hand, um, just a small token of appreciation for all that you do in raising the next generation. And, um, and, And we understand, please know that we know that motherhood has many different seasons and it can take many different forms, biological adoption, foster care, all the forms. Um, although we do feel as if and do believe that it is in the female form, um, but no matter what season or form you take on as a mom, you are important and we do wanna honor you. So our hope and our desire is that you feel confident and secure in receiving that gift. And once you do, be sure to also stop at our City Girl Conference table. We also have a special gift for you as there, for you there as well um, to honor you as a mom. And so church, actually, can we give a huge round of applause for all of the amazing moms in the room? We love you. Yes, we love you. Motherhood is amazing. So I, along with Pastor Rachel Stackhouse and Pastor Natalie Wallace, have the honor of bringing you a word this morning. So we are excited. But before we dive into it, I do want to highlight one last thing. And that is that today is also our group launch Sunday. So yes, we are excited. We are launching well over 50 groups all across the city of Omaha on every night of the week. There is no excuse. And really, you know, we heard it, you heard it before that it it is a time that we come and we build relationship, we have community, but it's also what we believe is, is a step in finding freedom in the truth of Christ. And so we come together, we're real with each other, we talk about what's going on, what we're learning about God, we're reading scripture, we're praying over each other. And so this really is an amazing season and a time to get involved into groups. And so we have booths to answer any questions you might have, but if you are looking for, hey, I don't, I don't really know how to get involved in groups, there's a really simple way, and that's next class. So we have next class after each service. You can go there just right after the service, and there's somebody there that can ask you, hey, you know, what maybe day works for you, and, and they can help you in that. So next class is a great way to do that, but let's get into the Word this morning. I am excited. Does anybody have their Bibles this morning? I brought mine. We got a lot of hard copies. We got a lot of phone digital copies. That, that works. Um, you know, the, the digital one I find is really helpful when you need to research something. It's like, I need, just need to find a word. And then you can look it up in the scriptures. Um, but you can, if you want to join us, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. That page went over. So we are going to be looking at a, an amazing woman, an amazing mother in scripture. And it is the mother of Samuel. So Samuel is, is Israel's greatest judge. And so his mother's name is Hannah. And while there's quite a bit of scripture on Hannah, um, I don't want to just read. I've been advised just not to read and be kind of be mundane and lose you in scripture. Um, but I do feel like there is some kind of need to know information about Hannah. So just to provide a little bit of context before we get into that particular portion of scripture, Hannah is the wife of a man named Elkanah. 
Elkanah actually has two wives, though. So he has Hannah, and he has another wife named Peninnah. Well, there's a little bit of strife between the two wives um, because Peninnah is very fertile and she can have children, but Hannah is barren, and so she doesn't have any children. And so every year what the family would do is they would travel to a place called Shiloh and they would go to the tabernacle, and the responsibility of Elkanah was to present the sacrifice of the family to God, and then they would have a dinner afterwards. And so Elkanah would portion up the, the servings of the food, and per wife and child, he would portion it appropriately to how many they had. So then he would give whatever he needed to Peninnah. But scripture also tells us that when he did that for Hannah, Hannah not having any children, it tells us that he gives her a, a choice portion. And some transitions even say double portion. And so Elkanah is giving something that Hannah doesn't seemingly deserve, and this is where we pick up in Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 7 through 20. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask him. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that enough? Isn't that better than having 10 sons? Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle, and Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back unto you. He will be yours for his entire life, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips move but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. No, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I was, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned to home, to Ramah. Then Elkanah, when Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. And so we're going to be diving into the life of Hannah and for all of our Bon Jovi fans, the title of our sermon is Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer. All right, I'm not my husband, so I'm not going to sing it, but we can pray before we go deeper into the world, word. Father, we thank you for this word that you've given us. We ask that you would reveal your truth to us, Lord. Release your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. We commit this time. We commit our words to you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm curious if anybody in the room is a fan of or enjoys the show Sister Wives on TLC. Did anybody know there was such a show? Yes? Okay, I only see a couple hands, but it's quite interesting because, um, to be honest, I'm not, I, I actually haven't seen like a full episode, but I've seen like commercials and I actually love, and it's quite bad, um, the little snippets on Facebook because I'm like not patient enough to like re, like to watch 30 minute, an hour shows or whatever. So like the little snippets on Facebook, it's like, okay, what's going on? Okay, I know. So, you know, whatever. But anyway, so I watch those things. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of like on the curious side of like, 
how does this work? Because it follows a man, so sister wives, it follows a man that has four wives. And I'm like, how does this work? And like, why? Um, but having, having watched some of those clips, I can gather that, and I think the attraction to the show is, is the drama, quite honestly. Like, you're managing, the guy is managing like four different wives, different personalities, different needs, and, and, and there's always like this massive drama going on, right? And so we love drama, and so it's quite popular, I guess. And re reading through the comments, it's kind of funny also because you have these fans that are like, um, you know, oh, he's doing this because of his favorite wife. And, but if you read it, like every other fan has a different name. And so there's like this like thing that it's, he has a favorite wife, but there's really no consensus as to who the favorite wife is. And, and I think we can see that also in Hannah's story where we have you know, you can kind of feel some of that drama between Peninnah and Hannah. You kind of have that curiosity of like, oh wait, she has children, and, but she doesn't, but she gets a double portion. And it's like, okay, who's the favorite? And then, but also what you read is a lot of the bigger struggle that Hannah is living in. Because remember that this day and age, being able to have children, and even quite honestly, being able to produce a male heir for your husband was a status symbol, where a woman's value, her, her worth, even her love was often attached to whether or not she was able to produce a male heir. And so that in itself is quite significant, right? She can't, she's barren, so she can't do that. But then let's add on the taunting of Peninnah. And then let's add on even the contention that we can read by Elkanah's questions to her. And I think you can imagine that this is quite significant, that the struggles that she is going, that she's living through is, is pretty big. And we can read that, that the atmosphere, the struggles that was going on in her home was affecting her time at the house of the Lord. Because it says she's sitting there being given a double portion and she was reduced to tears and could not eat. And I think that's a principle, that's a signal to us that that is in fact possible, that our home life impacts our spiritual life. Because of what was going on at home, she couldn't partake in the blessing that was set before her. She's, she can't control this, though. She's barren. You can't control that. You're being bullied. You can't control that. And it was affecting her, but I think the, the power of Hannah, the power of this story, is that even while it initially affected, it, affected her, she did not allow those struggles, those circumstances, to have a final say in her relationship with God or even have a final say in what she was going to experience at the house of the Lord. Because she, what does she do? She goes to God and she prays. But then what happens? It's, it's as if life was looking for yet another way to punch her down. Because she's praying, she's passionate, she's fervently praying at the altar. And what happens? The priest, the man of God, and understand the context at the time, a word from the priest, the word from a man of God at that time, he was the only mediator between God and man. And so a word from the priest was as if it was literal words from God. And so he, we read, he perceives her to be drunk. He doesn't just sit there and think about it. He actually goes and says something to her. And quite honestly, I don't know if, if that was me, I probably would not have responded in the way that she did. I kind of probably would have taken it like, okay, last straw, word from God, I'm obviously not doing this right. Like, I'm struggling with this. I thought I was supposed to come here to the altar, but word from God, so it, I must be doing it wrong. 
But that's not the response that we see from Hannah, is it? You know, he's like, hey, go throw your wine away. She stands up for herself. That's her response. She stands up and, and is quite is honest with the situ- situation. She's telling, she's being vulnerable, and she's saying, this, I'm, I'm not drunk. Please don't push me away. It's because I am in great, in- in great anguish and sorrow that her, res- that her response at the altar is honestly justified. And so then, of course, we read that, oh, okay, yeah. Then, then may God grant whatever request he would ask of him. And so it's like this pendulum swing of struggle, response, another struggle, response. And it's the faithfulness that we see. It's the faithfulness that we see through Hannah's actions that she was faithful in all of these struggles. Because what do we read? We read in 1 Samuel, and I think this might be the nail in the coffin. 1 Samuel 1. Chapter 1, verse 18, it's, she says, oh, thank you. After Eli's, the priest of Eli's like, yeah, may God grant your wish. She went back and began to eat again. She was no longer sad. And it was because of her response to each struggle, each situation, that she, there, was a, there was a gracious submission to the process, right? Because it shows, says that she, from that moment, because she, she didn't get the promise, she didn't get the son yet, she got the word, she mixed it with her faith and then stepped forward in action, believing and standing on that word. And so what was she? She was faithful through the struggle. She was faithful through the struggle because she took her frustration, she took her pain, and she took it to the only one that was actually able to do something with it, and that was before God. And I think that's the power of a mother I think that's the influence that a mother has in a home. And even fathers, sons, daughters, you don't have to be a mother, but you also have to understand that the influence that you have in the home is in the home. And that atmosphere that you have in the home carries to the house of the Lord and affects the receptability of the house of the Lord. Scary, but it's honest. And as we take examples from scripture, as we look at people's lives and how they responded, see the persistence, the Hannah's, Hannah's persistence through her pain, through the struggles, through Elkanah, through Peninnah, through the priest, we see her faithfully respond in faith, faithfully, no, faithfully respond in action, <laughs> that's what I meant to say, um, and, that, and that essentially moved her and kept her going through the process that God had her on. And so as we look at, as we continue to look at Hannah's life, I want to welcome up Pastor Rachel as she shares with us Hannah's next journey and how she remains faithful. Thank you. How many of you are glad that it doesn't just end with the struggle, but that there is a process that we can look to? We're going to keep looking into the life of Hannah and continue on in verse 21. And it says, when her husband Elkanah went up with all of his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. 
So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephna of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you and praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. You know, the process, God gave it to you. So now what? Hannah was in the middle of a process. She received Samuel, but she was on a journey. You see, we are all in the middle of a process. Whether we want to admit it or not, it is our reality. We're in it, but are we committed to it? I want to look at uh, 1 Samuel 21 through 22 again. It says, when her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. How many of you know that when you ask and when you pray so diligently for something and God blesses you with it, it can be so easy to take that onto ourselves and say, you know what, God, I thank you for this, but you know what, it's mine. I did it, I received it, thank you, God, and just continue on with your life and almost forget God in the process. But you see, I love the story of Hannah because she was a woman and a mom who understood the process and understood that Samuel was truly a gift from God, that it wasn't just something else, but that he was a gift from God. Hannah discovered that the greatest joy in having a child is giving that child freely back to God. Not saying, God, I take this child as my own, but God, I give this child back to you. You see, some of us think that the story of Hannah and the process was her receiving. We think that the process is receiving, but the process is actually submitting before God, before he's ever given us anything, and saying, God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I want us to go back and read verse 26 and 27 again, because I think there's something in here that we can all take and that we can all learn from, whether we're moms or not, because this story highlights some important things in our world. Says, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. You know, Hannah was faithful in the process, she was faithful through it all. Let's put this into perspective for a moment. Hannah was a woman who was married to Elkanah, who also had another wife, as Pastor Kelly um, presented to us this morning. Can you imagine that for a moment? He had another wife who was fertile, who had the thing that she wanted, and she had to live her life watching that other woman get what she wanted. How would you respond to that? Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. You watch somebody else, and some of us in here, we're watching other people. You're watching other people receive the blessing that you want, receive the blessing that you want, and you're having a hard time with it. 
I love that Hannah, in the middle of this process, says, God, I know you're faithful. I know you will. And she continued to cry out to God and didn't let what somebody else had impact her relationship with God. She continued to press into God for more because she understood God's process. Hannah entered motherhood, prepared to do what all mothers must eventually do, which is let go of their children. She was a mom who trusted God through it all and knew that this was the only way. Her only response was to give Samuel back to God. She didn't say, God, I thank you for this gift and I just want to sit at home with my child and watch TV. And I just don't, I wanna go to church every other Sunday because you know what, God, you've given me this child and so I'm just gonna live my life comfortably because you've given me what I asked for. No, she was a woman who said, I am getting out. I am going to dedicate this child to the Lord and he is the Lord's, not mine. I think we all can relate to this in some form or fashion, whether you're a mom or not. As much as this specific story points to motherhood on Mother's Day, there's something for us all. How many times have we asked God for something? Have we asked God for a new job? Have we asked God for a relationship, a house? And God blesses us with it and we stop the process when we take credit for it ourselves and we neglect God in doing so. I love that this story doesn't stop in verse 20 when Hannah receives her blessing, but so many of us, we do stop there. We say, God, I thank you for this job. I thank you for this house. I thank you that you've blessed me. But you know what, when you go on and you ask me to tithe and give back to you, it's too much. I'm not, I'm not in for that process. I will receive the blessing, but I won't give in the process. So many of us, we live our lives that way. We say, God, I thank you for this relationship, but I'm not really sure. Like, I got it. I'm not, oh, you want me to abstain until marriage? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if I can step into that part of the process, but you know what? When you do, God is faithful and he will fulfill his promises in your world. You know, we, we, uh, I have an almost two-year-old son, Liam. He is um, very, I wish I could, you know, bring him up here so you could see how opinionated he is. Um, he's very strong-willed, very opinionated, loves to help, um, help. Um, how many of you know when you have a two-year-old and they want to help, it's actually easier for them not to help because they're more of a hindrance than a help? Any moms out there? Can you relate? Okay, amen. We just were traveling. I wasn't planning on saying this. We were traveling, and he wanted to help push all of the suitcases through the airport. I'm like, dear God, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> but it's fun. He's fun. Um, but we took him to Disney about a month ago, and uh, he went with my husband and I, and uh, my in-laws, and we love Disney. This was his first time to Disney. I'm gonna admit something. He was very spoiled at Disney, okay? Um, we walked around, and he'd go, I want that. And we're like, okay, you can have that, sure, whatever. You want that ice cream cone? Sure, that's fine. Four days of this. Um, little did I know, when I got home, uh, he was gonna be in for a rude awakening. Yep, we got back into a rhythm, we got back bedtime, no, you can't have that, tantrums, throwing himself, crying. Am I the only one who experiences this? No, okay, anyone with a child can understand that this is real life. But it was fun while we were at Disney. 
Um, and one night I was putting him down for bed and he, with his six new stuffed animals, and I asked him for one of them. I was like, hey, can mommy have that? And he looked at me with a two-year-old scowl and held it and goes, mine. And I was like, excuse you? Where did you learn that, your dad? Jeez, I didn't teach you that. You know, as much as I wish he did learn that from his dad, it made me think, I stopped for a second, and I said, that was a fleshly response. Our response out of our flesh says, that's mine. I did that. I do that. I earned that. I was able to produce that or pay for that remodel in our house because I worked. Well, God gave you the job. Can we just be real for a moment? Everything that we have comes from God. Parents in this room, you have your kids. Those are my kids. They are physically in your possession, but they are not your kids. They are his kids. And as parents, if we are not surrendering our children before the Lord and saying, God, do what only you want, the biggest testimony in your kid's life is being and serving in the house of God and watching them as, as your parents grow up and serve in the ministry and watch, letting them watch you do it in the process. You know, I love family time. I think family time's great. We set aside Saturdays for family time. But I think the moment that Sundays become your family time and get in the way of you serving in the house of God, take a moment and reflect in your heart. Am I taking this for myself or am I surrendering this before the Lord? You see, the reality is, is that everything belongs to God. And this is the principle that Hannah understood and that she lived out. She had a faithfulness to not only say, I believe this, but I'm gonna trust God and walk it out. You see, from the time Samuel became an incredible prophet and impacted more people than she could have ever imagined or wanted, doesn't every parent want that for their kid? for them to go on and do great things. But I think in this society, we have it backwards. We think for our kids to go do great things, it's for us to be with them all the time, to steward. Maybe it's being in the house of God and actually giving them away and saying, God, I trust you with my children. Can we be honest with ourselves this morning? Have we gotten caught up in the thing that we miss what God actually wants, which is our heart and our faithfulness to him? You know, that you may be listening to this message this morning and you're in the middle of the process and you're struggling and you're having a hard time. Maybe your kids are far away from the Lord or maybe they aren't in a place you wanted them to be or maybe you've been trying to have kids for a long time and it hasn't happened yet. Can I tell you that God's process is so good? After this first service, I was actually out in the hallway and uh, waiting to take a picture, and there was another family that was taking a picture, and I said, isn't that every mom's dream to get a picture with her family on Mother's Day? Just kind of making a joke, and um, the mom actually came over to me, and she goes, you know what? This is actually our testimony. This is my first Mother's Day. Sorry in 15 years that my son is returned back to God. And he's actually serving here at my city church. So she came to church this morning to get a picture with her son and she said, you know what? For 15 years, I've cried out to God for him to be in the house of God and he is here this morning. Isn't that incredible? I love that. 
I was like, hey, can I share that? She's like, sure. I was like, okay, cool. I was going anyway. It's whether you said yes or no. So, um, but God's process is so good. It isn't always easy, but his plan always prevails. So if this morning you're sitting here and you're listening to this message and you're in the middle of the process, can I encourage you, can I plead with you to continue to present before him every need that you have, every request that you have, and continue to lay at his feet and watch God do what only he can do. Verse 28 says, so now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. It doesn't say, you know, until he becomes 12 and is a teenager and I don't wanna see him anymore. No, it says for his whole life will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. No matter what we, no matter what, we don't give up on our kids and God doesn't give up on us. Continue to lay your kids, continue to lay your desires at his feet and watch him do what only he can do. You know, we've got the struggle, we've got the process, but we also have a response that comes in our hearts from this. And to encourage us in the response this morning, can you help me welcome up to the stage, Pastor Natalie Wallace. All right, church, repeat after me. God moves in our response. God moves in our response. We're gonna look at how Hannah proved this today, how God moved in her response, but first I wanna tell you a little bit about me. So seven weeks ago, I had a baby. He's great, he's awesome. I keep making the joke that I think He's the easiest one yet, but really, I think at three, we just know what we're doing finally. <laughs> we got it figured out. But he's seven weeks old, and he's starting to smile, which is great. Um, he eats really good. He's gained about four pounds, and he's sleeping great, which is awesome. He's let me get back to my mom standard of a solid four hours of uninterrupted sleep. All the moms praise God for the coffee bean. But um, Rigby, he's seven weeks old, and his best way to communicate with us is to cry. And when he's really upset, he lets you know that he's got some good lungs on him, and he's going to cry as loud as he possibly can until you take care of whatever he's upset about. And then he's got two older brothers, so Balin is seven. He's our little entrepreneur. And uh, if you're one of the My City interns, you'll know that he will sell you his uh, handmade, personally laminated bookmarks for a dollar. <laughs> They're so great. But if you don't have cash, don't worry, you can Venmo his dad. <laughs> or if you do have cash, but it happens to be a five, that bookmark now costs $5 because you're not getting any change. <laughs> so hopefully it's worth it. But Balin, the question we get about him the most often is, does he ever run out of energy? And if you've met him, you know that the answer is no. He does not. He is constantly going, constantly on the move. And I swear he's at the stage where he never stops talking. I think he talks all night long through his sleep. And then we have Marvel in the house as well. And Marvel just turned two last week. Yeah, it's great. You guys must not have toddlers, because... <laughs> As Pastor Rachel was talking about, too, is fun. There is a lot of demanding. And I really thought that having three boys, I wouldn't have to hear that, like, high-pitched squeal 
that I thought only girls could make. <laughs> but Marvel has proved this wrong because he squeals, and if he's not squealing, then he's screaming. So some of you have been so kind since Rigby was born seven weeks ago and said, oh, how's the transition to being a mom of three? And it took me a little bit to know how to answer this question. And now that we are seven weeks in, I have a very confident answer for you. It is loud. <laughs> being a mom of three boys is loud all the time, but in particular in the hours between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. every day when everyone is hangry, everyone is tired, and everyone wants to battle over who controls the remote. So there's a lot of screaming and crying and jumping on furniture and noise making going on in our house all the time, especially between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. And sometimes my response is to just scream and cry with them. <laughs> Any moms, can you feel that? You've been there? Yep, yep, I feel that. So my question is though, how, what is our response when we feel like the whole world around us is screaming and crying? Whether you're a mom in the room or not, I feel like you can think of a time that you felt like everything around you was noisy, everything around you was chaotic. We all lived through 2020, so I bet you can think of a recent example. But how do you respond in those moments? What I love about Hannah is that every single time she has the same response. See, Hannah is faithful in her response, and it is always prayer. Every single time, Hannah's response is prayer. And when she was barren and bullied, desperate for a baby, watching you know, Penina have her babies and continue to do that, Hannah's response was to turn to God in prayer. And I believe that this is because Hannah understood the power of her God. She knew who he was, and she knew that she couldn't do anything about having a baby. But you know who can? He can do it. He can do it. And then we see her praying in the temple, and she leaves, and her countenance has changed, as Pastor Kelly talked about. She's lifted up, and she's grinning, and she can eat again. And I believe this is the point where Hannah realizes she's gone from he can do it, and she understands that God will do it. Not only he can do it, but he will do it for her. Hannah is the picture of faithfulness. And so we find her here. Guess what happens? He did it. Samuel was born. The son that she had prayed for, the son that she had asked for and longed for was born. And where do we find Hannah? She's praying again. She is faithful in her response every single time. And she's looking at this process like Pastor Rachel talked about. And it's a tough decision. I can't imagine as a mom of three boys not seeing them every single day. But Hannah was faithful through the process and she knew that if she gave this boy over to God, God would take care of her. And so we find her here and Hannah's praying. Again, I wanna read you this prayer after she's given up her son. It says, then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. 
Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit the throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. Church, can you stand to your feet with me today? You see, I think it might be easier to call on God when we're in the middle of the struggle, when we can't see any solution but God, when we're so desperate for him to solve whatever we're going through, when we're barren and bullied, it's easy to turn to him in prayer at that point because we know that we can't do it. I think it might be easy to turn to God in the middle of the process. We're faced with a tough decision that maybe we don't want to follow through with. We've promised something we don't wanna do. We gotta give our son away. That's hard, church. It's easy to rely on God when things are hard. But how do you respond on the other side of your blessing? You see, Hannah's response was still faithfulness. It was still prayer. On the other side of her blessing, Samuel was born and she still turned to God. Because I think Hannah understood one very important thing. Not only he can do it, not only that he will do it, but Hannah trusted that he will do it again. And the Bible says, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the house of the Lord. Hannah went on to have five more children, church, five more kids running around in her house because she knew that he can do it, he will do it, and he will do it again. Say that with me, church. He can do it. He will do it, and He will do it again. Whatever's going on in your world this morning, He will do it again for you. He can do it, He will move in your world, whether you're in the struggle, whether you're in the middle of the process, or you're on the other side of your blessing. God is gonna move in your world. We're gonna worship here in a second, and I want you to worship like you believe He can do it, He will do it, and He will do it again. Say it with me one last time, church. He can do it, He will do it, and He will do it again. Let's worship today. Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.